Hello to everyone who's tuned in to the very first episode of Namaste Bitches. I'm your host, Abigailia Shimon, and I'm really excited about this podcast. I think it's basically going to be a wellness podcast. My goal is to talk to different people from all walks of life and ask them one piece of advice and see what their best way of living is. And uh, I'll be honest, these first few episodes I recorded way back in July And it's taken me this long to sit down and put together the podcast. So let's get right to it with my first ever guest, Adam Roper. Adam is one of the owners of Bikram Yoga Harlem. He's been a Bikram Yoga instructor since 2004. He actually became a teacher right when I became a student. So I took some of his first classes. And then I worked for him for about four, five years I can't remember, but Big Room Yoga Harlem, great studio on 116th and Frederick Douglass Boulevard in New York City, and um, yeah, let's get to it. This is Adam. Today we have Adam Roper. Very excited about this. You're my boss. I am. I love when you call me your boss. It makes me feel like I'm an adult. Yeah. It's always like, because you're on my uh, post, my Edinburgh poster, Mm -hmm. and and whenever people are like, that's so funny. I was like, that's my boss, my boss friend. <laughs> and they're like, your boss is cool. Yeah, he's And you're totally like, cool. you haven't met him. Yeah. No, you're great. Um, let's start with, uh, what, what was, what's your piece of advice for people? Oh, God. You asked me this yesterday. My piece of advice in general, I, I changed it. I oh, you did? Because I really liked your All advice right. yesterday. So my advice yesterday was don't be weird. <laughs> and that's still my advice, but I would say... What I mean by don't being weird is, is just be, just be open. This is going to sound really hippie. Just yeah, be open fine. to everything. Right. And just go into experiences with no expectations. Yeah. That's good. And it, and being weird is being judgy. I'm putting them as the same thing. It's yeah. like the same thing. It's when, when you're judging yourself and judging the thing you're doing, you're just acting weird. Yeah. So. I like, um, are you referring to sometimes when we have people take our classes who are just really um, resistant to the whole idea? Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I don't know why I've uh, like why would you like every time I try something new, whether it be physical or whatever, I kind of go into it being like, this is gonna be hard. Like I always expect everything to be like really hard, and then I'm like, oh, that was like as hard as I expected, or. You know, this is not as hard. So, wow, that's great. Like, I expected it to be really terrible. And now, I mean, I guess I did kind of go with the expectations then. But I guess I go in being like, I don't really know what's going to happen. And then when things happen, I'm not, like, hugely surprised. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yes, when people come to class and they're, like, crazy, I'm like, why did you even come? Like, if you were going to be a crazy. My favorite is when people are like, it's hot. Like, there's students who will say that who've been practicing for years who are like, it's really hot in here. I'm like, it's hot yoga. I know. It's always going to be hot. That's the big marketing point of it. You should be like, I'm always like, did you read the website? Because <laughs> if you had, you, you would know it's hot. Well, the last person who said that has been coming regularly for four years, and I was like, it hasn't changed, darling. It's always been like this. Right. It'd be better if they were like, if they said something like, I'm feeling hot or like I feel hotter yeah. today. Like to make it about them as, about, as opposed to about the thing. Yeah, that's, I think that's what drives me nuts is, um, is when people, uh, people who've been practicing for a while are like, it was hot or 
like it's the room's mm-hmm. fault. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, it's not the room's fault. It's your fault. Drink more water, says the girl who's drinking yeah, a I, pint of iced coffee right now. I mean, the thing is, you get out of a class and some people will come out and they'll be like, I was so hot. Or like, it was so hot. I shouldn't even say I was. Like, again, they'll be like, it was so hot. And then like the person behind them will be like, I was cold in the front. And yeah. you're like, I don't. I can't. Cool. Yeah. Like, great. So you were cold. Someone else was hot. It's just the way it's going to be. It's only yeah. an hour and a half anyway, so get over it. Like, yeah. It's going to suck. It's 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 just going to suck. Does it, do you th- do you think when you practice or do you think it sucks or are you like do you have fun when you're actually doing it? You've uh, how long have you been teaching? You've been teaching for 10? 10 years. And you've been practicing for 12? 12? Mhm. Um it still kind of sucks. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. Like it just it do I ever have fun? Yeah, I have fun. And there's like classes that I think are enjoyable and like teachers I think are enjoyable and and like when people say certain things in class, like I think it's like kind of fun. Yeah. But generally, I don't have fun in class. I just I'm like, it's like a means to an end. Like I am going to go and I am going to work out, and then I will be done with my workout for the day. Mm-hmm. And so, what feels good about it is like, if I if I have posture that like fe- like if I feel good in a pose, I'm like, oh, t- you know, like Monday I was so sore from running, and today that this posture feels so much easier than Monday, or it feels like I'm actually like moving as opposed to like creaking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think I never go to, I don't go to class for like an enjoyable experience. I'm not like, what's the fun thing I'm going to do today? Oh yeah. Vikram yoga. Yeah. I'm like, no. I realized the other day I was on a date with someone and he was like, what, what do you do for fun? And I was like, well, I do yoga and, and then I do stand up comedy. He's like, no, but that's like your jobs. What, what do you do for fun? And I was just like, well, I started running. He's like, no, that's like exercise. Like, what do you do for fun? And I was like, that's when I realized I don't have fun. <laughs> right. Um, but I think that that's weird uh, in a weird way. Like, why why does like what you do for a living and for exercise have to be the opposite? I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that I have fun exercising per se, but I don't I'm not miserable doing it. I'm like un- not unhappy doing right. it. And I think there are a lot of people who like their job is their job. And they're not unhappy with it, but it's not like fun either. It's just like what they do. Yeah. And they need to do that. And then they do things that are like completely the op- on the other side of the spectrum that are fun. And I would say that for me, like yoga and exercise are like in the middle. Like they're the things I do for means to an end, but they're also somewhat enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So they're not fun, but they're not awful. Yeah. Do you know? And I think a lot of people, especially people who have like, I would assume like nine to five jobs. I've never had a nine to five job, so I'd assume yeah, they're awful. And so people I think who do that, like, like this is awful. That's why people go home and like drink. Yeah. Cause like this is fun. I'm like, ooh, that's okay. Like staying out until four in the morning is fun, but then you can't. It function. is fun. It is. Fun. You're right. Like then you that. can't function. I don't like that. But you're right. Staying out till four, like maybe the experience you're having is fun, but then the next day is not fun. So you have no. to. But yeah. Yeah. I'm not answering your questions very concisely. You're, I just think it's interesting that um, you you don't think it's that fun yet you've kind of dedicated your life to it. Yeah. Like you, you've been teaching for 10 years. You own a studio in, in Bikram Yoga Harlem. You guys have like, it's not like just a studio. You guys have created an awesome community there mm-hmm. as well. So the fact that you're like, yeah, no, it's not fun. It's just like something I do. Like, is it more <laughs> just a habit anymore? Is it like, you know, you just wake up and you, you sometimes. brush your teeth. Yeah, is it, sometimes it is. Is it less of a thought now? Yeah, sometimes it's just like, you. Go, there's days that I don't want to go, and I'm just like, I have to go because I said I was going to, and like, it's what I do, and I have all this extra time. Like, what else am I going to do? And plus, it's like my studio, so I have to go and open and go to the bank and like 
write an email or like do like work things then I'm like mm. oh, I might as well do them in the studio see the students and I'll just take class yeah um but no I it's like I feel like I'm trapping myself by saying it's not fun but yeah I don't know it's not yeah. I'd rather I guess if someone was like do you want to go to a second bigger class today or do you want to go to a Broadway show I'd be like let's go to a Broadway show well no one wants to go to a second bigger class I don't yeah, trust true. those people the ones it's who true. do I don't trust them it's true though but actually though if someone said to me if someone was like, I have an extra ticket to a show, and if I had already planned on going to a class, or like I had made kind of like a plan with a friend to go to a class, yeah. unless I could change and go to a different class, I probably would still go to the class. Really? I mean, it, that's like a hard, I mean, that would be a hard choice. It just depends. But I'm not saying that I would automatically be like, no, yoga, let's go to the show. Yeah. Like, it would, I would have to think about it, and I'd have to weigh the pros and cons of doing either. How'd you get into Bigram a thousand years ago? Oh my God, a thousand. Um, so I was in school for theater, mm-hmm. you know this, but I'll pretend like you don't. So yeah. I was in the school for theater and I had a friend who had moved here from Colorado who I had worked with in Jake at J crew in Colorado in high school. And she, she was just like, she just moved here. And I think that she was trying to do this like similar things that she'd done in Colorado in Denver, in New York, because it was like a transition. So she like had the same. She worked at like J Crew again. She worked at Starbucks again, and then she like went to Bikram, and that was like the three things that she did in Denver. That's how I travel the world. It's just do I do stand up comedy and I do Bikram. Yeah, that's why. Where's do too. the coffee shop? Yeah, that's, that's all what I, I do too. So she was like, "Let's go to yoga," and I was. It was May. It was May twentieth. I believe it was May twentieth, two thousand two. And isn't that weird that I know the day? Anyway, um, and October she was thirty first, two thousand four. Okay. So she was like, do you want to go to this yoga class with me? And I had done yoga in my acting studio and I kind of thought it was boring, but I knew it was like good for me, but I was like, eh, it's kind of boring, but like whatever, I'll go. Cause mm. I was a runner and I was like, I don't really want to run all the time. Like, I want to do something else. And so I was like, I'll go to yoga. It's kind of like dance. And I like to dance kind of and into movement. So I was like, let's go to yoga. And I don't even actually know if she told me it was hot. Like I think she did, but I don't think that I acknowledge. So here's what we get. So we make fun of people like for not knowing, but like conceptually hot is different than experiencing hot. Like you just like, Oh, it's hot. I honestly just thought it meant that it was may and like, there wasn't going to be air conditioning that it was just going to be like a room with no air conditioning. And we're going to do it in like New York city in may. So it was going to be like 80 degrees or whatever. And that was how I went. I went to class and I was in Soho and I had eaten like, 45 minutes before class because she was like don't eat but my day got like mixed up and so I ended up meeting a friend for dinner at like five yeah and I ate like a giant plate of eggplant parmesan and then I was like I'm gonna oh go to that's now. like the worst thing to do and so then I went to Bikram and I was like it's it was a 545 on a Tuesday and I was like this is so hot and I just remember like getting which through studio was it Soho okay and oh, I yeah, got there it's okay I got there and I was like this is so hard I mean I remember like it was like the room went black and I just was like, and I remember standing there and being like, why? I was like, I'm not even moving. Why is the room spinning? Like, I remember being like, not understanding why I was so dizzy. And I was like, I'm not actually doing anything. I remember how hard everything felt like just mm-hmm. everything felt hard. Anyway. So I kept going because <laughs> I thought like, Oh, I was like, if everyone else can do this, I can do this. So I just like kept going and taking classes. And then, you know, teachers tell you things like you're doing great and you're improving. And then you're like, Oh, people are noticing my, Improvements. I'm going to keep going to like make them feel better about me and me feel better about me and things like that. Anyway, so yeah, that's how I got into it. Do you remember who taught your first class? Mm -hmm. Who was it? I don't think you know who she is. Christine Nichols. That name is familiar. She taught. She 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 have like dark curly hair. Nope. Nope. Wait, that's. 
Claudia. Is, are you thinking of Claudia? I'm not thinking of Claudia. Claudia is like the competitor, or she was. She did compete. She's like super fierce. Olivia. That now I'm thinking of Olivia. Yeah. yeah. No, Claudia was like the one with like the kind of Brooklyn accent. It was kind of like, like kind of punk. Like she looked like she. If like Winona Ryder taught Vikram yoga, that'd be Claudia. She was awesome. Like he wanted to be her. I was like, I want to be here. You're so cool. She <sighs> taught like something. She had like bright red lipstick on and she was like kind of mean and you're like ooh Claudia is so scary and like awesome ooh, fun. but Christy Nichols is completely different she taught for a while she was really good friends with Raphael who was the owner of the Soho studio a little after that and she only taught for I don't know she stopped teaching maybe in like 2005 or 2006 and then she taught for like gyms and did like other yoga so this is Adam Roper and I really like his piece of advice of be open to everything or as he put it before, don't be weird. I kind of like that better. Just don't be weird. Um, yeah, Adam and I get a little uh, bitchy about uh, uh, things that bug us in class, which, uh, you know, uh, he's been practicing, like he said, for 12 years, teaching for 10 years. He knows it's a lot of stuff and I'm very happy to have worked for him. I don't work for him anymore because now I live in London and he's also just a good friend of mine. Uh, going on, we talk a little more about uh, the life expectancy of a Bikram teacher. If you, anyone listening is thinking about going to uh, Bikram yoga training and uh, you know what all goes into the training and kind of the diet that happens while you're there. Uh, other health things that are going on in my life right now, I'm training for the Brighton Half Marathon, which will be on February 22nd. And along with my training, I've decided to fundraise for a charity called Rise. Rise is a Sussex-based domestic abuse charity providing vital support to refuges and giving refuge accommodation, helpline and counseling, financial and legal advice, children's services, and training and prevention education. Uh, it's a really good charity. I was, um, my goal was to raise 150 pounds for them. I'm proud to say that I have done that. 100% of the proceeds do go to charity. None of it goes to me. And if you'd like to give a little, you know, it's always good to just raise that much more. I have an extended goal of trying to raise another 100 pounds, so 250 pounds together. Uh, you can do that at www.justgiving.com slash Abigailia. So www.justgiving.com slash Abigailia. And that's what's kind of going on with me right now. And yeah, so let's get back to Adam and the podcast. Is there like a life expectancy of a Bikram teacher? Like mm. someone told me before I became a teacher and it, it kind of timed out, right? You teach for three years and then you, a lot of people either cut way back and do something else mm -hmm. or they, they move on to something different. I mean, that sounds kind of right. I think that people only teach full time for like three or five years. I, I can't really think of that many people who've taught as long as I have like full time who don't own a studio. Yeah. I mean, there's a few. But mostly I feel like people do it as like a break from like the other thing they're doing. Like they're like an actor and they're like, I want to do this one audition and they kind of audition, but they really just are like Bikram yoga is better. And then they do that for three or four years. And they're like, I'm going to go back to auditioning. And so then they start auditioning again and then they, you know, teach part time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there's a life expectancy, but I, I would kind of agree with you. I don't know if three years sounds short to me, but cause I mean, all of our teachers at my studio have taught, 
a lot of them have taught for the studio for six years. Yeah, that's true. And and none of them really have that many other, not none of them, but few of them have other jobs that right. aren't yoga. So I think there is a life expectancy, but I don't know if three years is right. Yeah, maybe I'm underestimating it. I don't know. You've been teaching more than three years. Yeah, but like I taught full time. Like I was teaching 11, 12 classes for about two years. And then I was like, I can't do this anymore. Because it, because the thing that happened to me, and I think it happens to a lot of people who like are actors and wanted to do yoga as like their part time supplement job mm -hmm. is once you start teaching two classes a day. And then if you want to practice on top of it, yeah. you realize it is, it's not a nine to five in the sense that you're sitting at a desk, but that is. Yeah. It's your whole day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole day right there. Because unless your classes are back to back at the exact same studio, like if you do like a, take a 9am, teach a 11 and then teach a one and you're out of the, you know, you're out of there by three, you're yeah. still like there from like 8.30 a.m. until three. Yeah. Which is only like, what, an hour and a half less than a nine to five? Yeah. Or something like that. So it's not that much less time yeah. and it's never the way it is. It's like. You take a nine, you teach at 11, and then you teach a 2.30 to a completely different studio, and you had to travel there, and then suddenly you're done, and it's like 4, and then you get out of there, it's 4.30, and you've been out of the house from 8 a.m. until 4.30. Yeah. And you only made money for two classes, and you've been out of the house for like nine hours. Yeah. That's how like, it really is. Oh, and like all you do in the middle of the day, and then you like do things that cost money. Like in the middle of the day, I'm like, I'm gonna go to the grocery store and spend all the money I just made yeah. on groceries. Or because you're going back and forth between studios, <clears throat> you're like, I'll just grab something real quick, and you'll wind up spending like way more on lunch because right. you're out all day long. Right. It's hard. It's hard to be a Bikram yoga teacher. Oh yeah, it's life like, is hard. When you started practicing, did you lose weight, or were you just crazy skinny to begin with? <clears throat> I'm not crazy skinny now. You're not crazy skinny now. Um, we're getting to that. Oh. Cause were okay. were you the, was it, didn't one of the two of you, either you or Eric, like drop a bunch of weight when he yeah, started practicing? So, well, Eric did too, actually. So, um, when I first started, I think I can't. I think it's hard because I look at pictures. It's weird to look at pictures of me, but anyway, yeah, I lost a lot of weight when I first started practicing regularly. Like I first six months, I only went like once a week, and I don't think there was really any big difference in my body. But mm -hmm. then when I started practicing. When I started doing being work study and practicing like every day, I lost weight like really fast. But it wasn't like stupid. I think I went from like 170 to 145, 150, which is a little thin, but it wasn't like crazy thin. No one ever mentioned me being thin mm -hmm. until I went to training. Before training, like people, I don't, people would be like, "You look good." Like I lost a lot of weight in my midsection. So wait, like you went, you lost <clears throat> 30 pounds? 20, like 20, 25, 20. Mm -hmm. I would say 20. Okay, that's a that's a significant <clears throat> chunk of weight. Yeah, but it was like all in like one area, like. My abs got flatter, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, but like my arms and chest stayed the same. Not they're like huge, but they never, I don't, you know, like really thin people, like all of their bodies, like really thin. Like yeah. I still looked like, I still had like an adult man body. I just lost 20 pounds. But then yeah. I went to training, I, I, be, I ended up having like a starving child's body. Like my body was like sunken chest, like all the ribs <clears throat> visible. <clears throat> and, um, do you need more water? I'm, I think I'm, all, yeah, sure. I mean, I I'll take more, more but yeah. Um, I'm just going to keep talking about my thinness. You can keep talking. <laughs> so, yeah, that was all. And so I went to training, and it was, I was, like, really thin in training. I lost 20 more pounds. In training? Yeah. I was looking at pictures. Of, someone posted all these pictures of me from training recently. I just want to back up. He lost 20 pounds in training. Training is nine weeks long. <laughs> I lost the 20 pounds in the first week. 
How did you do that? I know that sounds impossible. And people are like, that's not possible. But I weighed myself. I went to training and I weighed 145 pounds. And then at the end of the first week, I weighed 127 pounds. Okay, so it's a little bit less than 20 pounds. It's like 18, 17 pounds. That's insane. But it was because I got a horrible vertigo in the first couple of days. And I couldn't, like, my postures were really, really shallow. And I couldn't eat. Like, I just couldn't eat. I was so nauseous. And so, and I couldn't, like, keep really anything down. I wasn't, like, throwing up, but I just could I would eat, like, a... I eat like a bite of an apple and my stomach would be like so full. That's exactly like, what happened to me in awful. training. Awful. Yeah. So you know how awful it is. Yeah. So I ended up basically in training for the first three weeks. I like didn't eat. And then for the rest of the training, all I could really eat was like, I drank like a lot of tea. I ate apples, edamame, hard-boiled eggs and yogurt. I like couldn't eat a lot of fruit yeah. or vegetables. I had to eat basically just like protein, like dense protein things because my stomach could not digest fiber it's just like my body just hurt yeah but i was the only person in training who went in as a vegetarian and stayed a vegetarian to my knowledge i ate no meat all of training good for you the only one i had a raw, there was a raw foodist in my training who was eating pepperoni pizza by the end wow and i was like Ugh. just to explain it training bikram yoga training is nine weeks long you take two classes a day month monday through friday and one on Saturday, usually class is 90 minutes. At training, it's as long as Bikram feels like it. Oh my it. god, it can be so long. And that's why everyone starts eating like crazy food because you just, you're burning so many calories. I drank soda in training, and that was the first time I drank soda since high school. It's been like three years since I drank well, soda. Well, you know, I couldn't really eat either. And the one thing that I could get down and keep down was orange soda. Interesting. I, yeah. You, I think it's because it's so processed and my body was just like the, the cal it's just pure sugar. You're just putting glucose straight into your body. I agree. I think it's sugar and there's, I think there's also something, there's probably a little bit of salt. I don't know how much made in soda, but I'm assuming there's like some, well, I'm I'm sure there's sodium in there too. And so you're just like, okay, like that's awesome. Sodium and and sugar. Yeah. Love it. I had that and I remember I had like, I had some French fries. I actually had soda like once a week for the first three weeks that when I was having the terrible vertigo, because I just was like so low blood sugar so I'd have like some Sprite and I'd be like oh my god that was so amazing yeah but this is like before the day you know what's crazy is when I was in training it was like before the day that you had maybe there might have been emergency packets I don't know if there were I never took emergency even in training I was like I took a bunch of emergency with me I just started using emergency and I only drink it because sometimes I get tired of having water all day long. I just don't think that we had them. I mean, in 2004, I mean, maybe I'm totally wrong. I don't remember really, I don't remember them being in the studios. I don't remember using it. Vitamin water, like there was no like stuff. And in retrospect, if I had, if I had had those, I probably would have done those over drinking like soda. I would have been like, oh, vitamin water, which isn't that much better, but at least didn't have carbonation and, and things like that. Yeah. But yeah, no, you just like drink and eat whatever you can get your hands on. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I know at the beginning of it, they, I remember the nurse basically talks to everyone and is like, listen, you might be a vegetarian. Just stop doing it. Just stop doing it for now. I remember getting that talk at the beginning of training. That's like, you can be a vegetarian later. But now I was like, I've always been a vegetarian. So yeah. I was like, I don't think that I'm me eating meat right now is a good idea. I, didn't, yeah. I honestly didn't ever even cross my mind to eat How meat. Long, you were a vegetarian since you were a kid, like right? Like always. I've never eaten meat. Were your parents vegetarians? Mm-hmm. My mom was, yeah. Oh. And my mom is. So I was like, uh. You've tasted meat though, right? <laughs> yeah. I know that's like a really silly question, but. Um, it's actually not that silly. I've tasted it, but I've never had it in it. So people are like, you've never eaten it? I'm like, I've eaten, like I've tried it, but I've never ordered a meat dish ever. I've never made meat. I've never eaten meat as a meal ever. Yeah. Um, when I was like a little, 
um, kid, I remember like feeling bad that I couldn't eat things that my friends would eat. So for example, I remember trying pepperoni pizza a few times when I was like a kid and my mom found out and was like so angry at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I went to a birthday at Chuck E. Cheese, I remember, and this mother gave me a pepperoni pizza piece and my mom was like, oh, he doesn't eat that. And she was like, he ate it at our house. My mom was like so angry at me and I was like, Ooh. and I was like six. I yeah. mean, I just like wanted to try it. But I've, I know I have a pepperoni pizza. I remember I was in a play once where one of the characters had to eat, this as a kid, had to eat fried chicken. And so everyone was like, oh my God, fried chicken's so amazing. Can I tell you what is not amazing? Fried chicken. You it don't was like, like it? The grossest oh thing. Oh my God, it's so good. Ugh. But in, I'll tell you this, in defense of fried chicken, it was cold. The so, cold fried chicken, that's like, that's a, that's like the best. That's a thing, yeah. Oh, so no. um, that's like a picnic food. No. Is you fried chicken the night before oh. and like, or like <clears throat> you, you have like, Friday night dinner, you have a big fry up, and on Sunday you have a picnic, and you take cold fried chicken. Um, you just said picnic, which I think is funny. Picnic. I know me. you meant it. Just it was funny. Um, <laughs> no, it was not. I just remember it being. Oh, I, I remember being kind of flavor flavorless, like very bland, and it also being simultaneously crispy, which I liked. I liked the fried part. Yeah. But then it also being really, really greasy, like greasy. I like, feel like you had bad cold. fried chicken. It was chicken. like Kentucky fried chicken. Yeah. But can I tell you something else too? Again, having never eaten meat, the texture of meat to me is very odd. Yeah, I bet. And so there's nothing appealing about it. And so I remember being like, this is a weird, like is a texture. I've, I mean, I was a little bit older. I was like eight or 10. I was like, I've never had this texture before. And having like this as a first time as a 10 year old being like, what is this cold flesh? Like I just had never had it. It was uh, just really when gross. When you put it like that, that's it was super gross. gross. It was gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then I had, and then I was really into hot dogs. I know they're like the worst meat ever, but they were salty and I just liked that they were salty. Mm-hmm. But um, I've probably had hot. So in the end, I've, I've had a bite. I have taken a bite of meat purposefully under 10 times because I, I can think of. Did like, you ever eat a whole times. hot dog? No. No. Always just a bite. When I was in Italy once, when I was a kid, they kept serving us meat and they did, had no vegetarian options. I was like on a school trip and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die here because I'm eating nothing every single day. So I remember I ate. I ate some lamb one day, like ha- like half a portion of lamb. That's, that was the most meat I'd ever had. That's like, and I was a like heavy meat. And dish. it was not my people stomach who was eat meat don't like. My lamb. stomach was like not happy. I was like, this was not, not a good idea. I don't know how to digest. It, it was like no, Adam, bad. Yeah. And so then yeah, no meat. So no meat in training, but I ate dairy in training, and I yeah. went to training as a vegan. So yeah. I was. How long were you vegan for? I don't know. I was off and on vegan for a while. Maybe. I don't know. Two thousand three or so until maybe 2006 seven like four years sometimes i would break it but i would say that for four years i was a vegan why uh why do you stop being vegan um there's like a couple reasons but um being vegan when you're single is hard which sounds like it's not but i was cooking less when i was single and so then when you're cooking and you're making all these meals like you can kind of choose stuff but when you're not single like or when you're single you're eating out a little bit more you're going on dates so like then it's like kind of harder to like tell your first date that you can't eat anything at the restaurant they said and then also like you're buying more semi-frozen foods like I was buying more stuff or at least partial frozen foods and or partial pre-prepared things and mm-hmm. so yeah but now that I cook again more 
like when I cook, I don't cook anything. I'm always, I don't, I would say nine times out of 10, everything I cook is vegan. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I mean, if I eat out, I don't think about it as much. Cool. Uh, I think it's totally impressive that Adam has been a vegetarian pretty much his whole life with the exception of trying meat every once in a while. And of all things, liking hot dogs, which if you like hot dogs, I would say you're still a vegetarian because it's hot dogs meat anyways. I mean, really, they're disgusting, but delicious. Going back to running the Brighton Half Marathon, like I said, if you feel like donating, you can go to www.justgiving.com slash Abigailia. I'll put that in the notes for the podcast. Also, I'm doing a fundraising show because I'm a stand-up comedian. Maybe I should have mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast. But I'm doing a fundraising show at the Brighton Comedia on, uh, when is it? It's on January 31st, Saturday at 8 p.m. It's part of Funny Women. And you can get tickets there. Also, 100% of the proceeds for that show go to Rise UK. So you can check out um, at the Comedia on the 31st, 8 p.m., part of funny women i'm headlining all the proceeds go to uh rise which is you know you have a cool night out and you help people so all right let's get back to the podcast this is when it gets fun and uh adam starts talking about his uh him switching up his workout as i said he's been a yogi for a long time and now he started to experiment with other types of exercise so let's do it So, and then, what, a couple years ago, you started to cross-train. I honestly thought you were going to say cross-dress, and I was like, (laughs) and I was like, uh, (laughs) no, (laughs) and this took like a really weird turn, and I was like, did, and I I don't, which is fine, I mean, I I could, if I did, it would be fine too, but I was like, I was like, (laughs) and I was like, is it because I'm wearing a yellow tank top right now, that you were like, oh, so a few years ago, you started to cross-dress, you just got really feminine, and I was like, I did, um, I did start to cross train maybe, yeah, I would say, oh gosh, 2010 or so. So, and, all right, so from 2002 until 2010, I basically, I basically, and I would say, again, like 95% basically only did Bikram yoga. Yeah. And I took class every day and I taught a lot. So I was in the room like a lot, a lot. And then like 2010, I was like, I'm going to do something else. Um, <laughs> the air conditioning just well. Uh, I got What's that. weird is it takes the humming out of the, like, the fact that it if we didn't have these in our ears, I don't think it would be a big deal. But because yeah. we have the headphones in, it's like, whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and then I started to cross train a little bit, which basically means that I did I did bar method for a while, mm-hmm. um, which is, do you know what bar method is? Yeah, you've explained it to me, but I never did it with you. Oh, yeah. It's I, basically, did, I took bar with you. Yeah, it's, ba- it's basically about, it's basically exercise ballet where you don't ever dance. Like you're just doing bar work quicker like slightly more intensely and more about alignment and less about like looking good for your audience yeah and so you do that and you do like sit-ups and you do like 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 bicep curls with low weights and it's a lot of repetition and it's really hard and that was the thing that I went into being like this is not gonna be that hard and then I was like my first class I was 15 minutes in and I was like I have no idea how many extra 45 more minutes of this my arms were on fire just from lifting eight pound weights which are not even that heavy yeah I was like I'm dying I'm dying um, so I did that for like a year, a lot. Um, and then after that, I just started working with a personal trainer and then like doing gym stuff. Yeah. Like, so like running and then like weights. It, when you started doing that, was it really exciting after doing 
eight yeah. years of Bikram yoga, or excuse me, 10 years. Yeah, I mean, it was exciting. It was exciting because I'll tell you something, even even like bar method was really hard. Like only the first class was like really crazy. Like after that, it would still be hard, but I never got to that place of like, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. Because you knew how to pace yourself. Because I knew how to pace myself. And so with working with the trainer and even working at like the gym, it never feels like a day off, but it always feels like a less hard day than a yoga day. Like yoga day still feels like the harder day. Like I'm like, yoga is like the hard day. And then the running... And even if it's running a lot, like if I'm like, I'm going to, like I ran the other day, I was like, I ran like four and a half miles. I just was like, I'm just going to run four and a half miles. And I ran for, and it, it was not easy. But after like being done with it and drinking water and being done, like you recoup so fast that you're just like, I could do something else. Or at least I'm like, I could do something else today. Like I could, I could like go to the gym now. Yeah. But you have to like stop yourself from doing that. Cause you're like, don't be crazy. Like you already ran four and a half miles. Like that's sufficient for a yeah. workout. Do you think people sometimes overwork out? Um, I do. Yeah. Um, but I think it depends on the person. Like, I think that it depends on what you're, what you want as a result. I think that people overwork out. If you're really looking on like changing your body dramatically, then I don't know if it's overworking out, but if you're kind of in a place like you're kind of like working on maintaining your body, if you're overworking out, like you're just going to exhaust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So do you ever, you but sometimes you like run and then do yoga and stuff like that, right? No. Never? I, so, I, so when I first started doing bar method, Sometimes I, would I run do, to the yoga studio. But I live a mile and a half from the that's yoga not bad. studio. Like, that would do that. But, like, I... And then I run back. When I was doing bar method, like, I, there was a lot of... Day, I was still doing... F- so then I only dropped down to five yoga classes a week. Teaching or practicing. Taking. Taking. Okay. But then I would do three bar method classes. So there was two days that would, like, overlap, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were really hard days. And then... Um, so now, so I made this decision a couple years ago that like, I really am going to do things every other day. And sometimes I feel like it's hard because sometimes there's a day where I'm like, this wasn't enough. Like, I'm like, oh, I went like yesterday, I ran a mile and a half. Then I did like 20 minutes of like exercises outside. And then I like ran a mile and a half home Mm -hmm. and I I kind of felt like a day off. Like I kind of was like, I should do more, but you have to kind of try to stop yourself because what you don't know is okay so like that workout was decent like you could do more but then if you start doing that more especially if you choose to like go to a class and you get like into the class like 10 minutes you're like oh i was wrong like this is this is hard like my, my body was sore like you need to give yourself the benefit of the doubt that once you've worked out once like that's it's enough because you don't want to start working out a second time and like get a third of the way through that workout and just be like dead you know what yeah I mean? like you want to say like no it's better to have more energy than to be like, I'm going to work out again and then be dead. Yeah. Um, Cause your body doesn't need to have some time to recoup. Yeah. Especially if you know you're going to be working out the next day. Yeah. You know? So instead of piling it all into one day so you can properly spread it out. It's better to spread it out. I think. How many, how many classes, how many Bikram classes are you taking a week right Four. now? Four. Mm-hmm. And then you, do you have a rest day? Once every two weeks. Once at, Wow. That, I mean, that's, like, so planned. You're, like, once every two weeks, I do nothing. Yeah. Do you feel weird if you go, like, when you went on vacation to uh, Italy, were you working out when you were on vacation? We ran, like, we were gone for, what, 10 days? So yeah. we ran we ran three times, and then we were, like, walking a lot. Yeah. So, no, it felt fine, but it felt fine because there was something to do. Like, if I have a whole day, if there was, like, a whole day where we're doing stuff, like, on a vacation, and, like, by the time, you, and there's other people involved, so like your schedule changes because, like, other people want to hang around and sit around and like go to breakfast and like you go and do that with them because you're on vacation with them and then you go for a run like it's fine um or you're walking around it's fine but like when i'm here it's hard to take a day off because the day off ends up being like there's like a big 
usually a chunk of time that like, you think uh, I, I could have worked out during this time, especially yeah. with something like, you know, running three miles takes 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, you have the time to do it. Yeah, it's yeah. so easy and so quick. That's the thing I really do like about running is that then like you run for th- three miles and then it's like and then I'm done. Then yeah. I did it. Whereas because Bikram is 90 minutes long and you get to the studio and then you cool off and like, yeah, yeah. It, it takes some more time. Yeah, it's it's so much more time. No, you could wake up at like literally you could wake up at nine, go for a quick run, be home at nine thirty, be done with breakfast in your shower by ten. Yeah, and like oh, I have the rest of the day, and it's ten o'clock in the morning, or I mean earlier if you get up earlier than yeah. that. But no, that's nice stuff like that. So that's why it's hard sometimes to take a day off because it's like you're like oh well I have two hours now till I have to go do anything, and you're like I could run in a half an hour and still have an hour and a half to like do nothing. Yeah, but it's hard to be like no, no, you're gonna not do anything for half an hour. I don't think it's hard for everyone to not do anything for a half hour. You're right. I think it's pretty easy for me to not do nothing. Like, I'm great at just sitting there staring at the ceiling. That's, like, my best. That's the thing I'm best at. Uh, I'm really bad at doing nothing. Yeah. I'm, like, really bad at it. I can tell. That's why it's good for me to do nothing sometimes. Yeah. You know. Um... What was I gonna add? Oh, I no, I just want to dish. Like, what's your what are your pet peeves when people are practicing teaching and practicing? What are your pet peeves? Oh my god, I have so many. I know, I know that's I, why I want to get no, into. No, I know I have to be, but I'm trying to get better but, about it. Um, let's start with you're teaching. You're a sensitive <laughs> you're a sensitive man when you practice. Sometimes when you oh tell me god. the things that bug you, I'm like, just that's not your problem. I know, but it is partially my problem now because it's still. The thing is, the difference between owning a studio and, like, just teaching for someone is that we, as the studio owners, like, hear about this stuff later. So I'm not just, like, saying it being, like, oh, I noticed blank happening. I mean, I am noticing it, but I'm noticing it because, like, students will, like, mention it later. Yeah. Or, like, someone will be, like, why did the teacher not do this? Or And granted, like, it's not their job to, like, like just take your class like you're a student. But, you know, the regulars, like, expect a certain thing. And there's a certain expectation in any sort of, you know, a cer- to be treated a certain way in any sort of business Um so, um, so sometimes the things I notice are just like, I'm like, please don't do that. Cause I don't want to hear the student bitch about this later. Yeah. Like, but, um, or I don't want the student to be upset and you know, you're still, we're still in customer service, unfortunately. And so you want like the student to feel challenged, but not feel like disempowered by someone weird, you know, grunting on them or like breathing on them or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, things that are driving about teachers. Uh, there's a f- only a few things I think what bothers me about teachers in general is when I feel like the teacher is not paying attention to the room mm. and when they're like just teaching, they're just like teaching a class, but they're not teaching that class. Yeah. You know? And so if like the same person is getting every, like the same grip wrong on all four sets, you're like, like they're right in front of you. Like you can't, it just seems, it just seems, it makes me nervous. Cause I'm like, well, if they don't notice this, are they going to notice if someone like starts to have a really hard time? Are they going to notice if, you know what I mean? Like when, mm-hmm. at what point are they going to start to notice what's happening? Yeah. Cause you know, things can happen in class and this is not just with Bikram, it's with any physical exercise. I've been in, done a lot of physical exercise. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of weird things happen in spin classing, spin class, excuse me, in gyms, like things happen and you need to be aware of what's happening. That's why it drives me nuts sometimes to take other yoga classes. Cause this, like I've gone to take other disciplines and it's just like, I don't understand how they want me to do this sort of mm-hmm. triangle and no one is there to yeah, talk I to know. me about it because it's the what what's the one jiva mukti and they're like rubbing essence oils on someone else it's very weird it is weird yeah 
No, I agree. Like, I'll be in classes. I've, I don't do as much vinyasa anymore, but when I did, I'd be in classes, and people people's alignment would be, like, so off, and I'd be like, would somebody go help this person? Like, because the thing is, is if they hurt themselves, they're not going to come back, and you've now just lost a student, a client, and a way of making money. And, like, teachers don't realize, like, if there are less clients, that means the business is making less money, which means they don't get a raise. Like, get the clients to come back so that you get a raise. Yeah. Um, eventually, or that you can make more money, or whatever. Or that, this, or that more people get to experience the practice. But if you're just like, yeah, I'm going to rub so-and-so with essential oils while someone else is like throwing up in the corner and like her pushing their hips out of their socket. Like, no, these essential oils can wait. Um, so, so yeah, that's what teaching drives me crazy is when people like don't pay attention to what's going on in the room. That drives me crazy. Um, and it's like a lot. And then unfortunately they can break down to like, why aren't the lights on? Like, why are the maps not in a row? Why are, but, but those are nitpicky things. I've, to, I've told you this, like one of our, well, someone who was new to teaching once walked into the room and was like, all right, we're going to get started. And I was like, you got to turn off the lights Yeah. and you got to shut all the doors. Yeah. It just like, <laughs> so there's just no aware. Like, Focus. Yeah, there's like no. The thing is, like, people forget, like, we, like, we think we're like, oh, people, like, people are just gonna deal with it. Like, people will deal with the lights being off. People, but like, people are paying money. Like, they, there's a certain amount of like, you have to deal with the fact that it's a group situation and like things aren't all. You can't control thirty people. Like, there's gonna be people who are breathing heavy. There's gonna be people who are wearing perfume. There's gonna be people who come in a little bit late. There's gonna be people who have a hard time. There's gonna be people who take too long of showers. Like, yeah. you can't monitor everything. But on the other hand, you have to be like, okay, I'm the teacher. I'm coming in the room and like, I'm going to make sure there's room for everyone. I'm going to make sure everyone's in a row. I'm going to make sure everyone has a towel on their mat. I'm going to make sure that everyone kind of has water. Like, I'm just going to walk, watch and make sure that everyone has a water at some point or like you know, the windows are closed or whatever. Yes. Like yeah. you have to have like, you can't just be like, whatever, it's yoga. Like, yeah. great. It's yoga. People are paying money for it. And if they didn't want there to be some structure, then they would do this at home. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So paying attention teachers, that drives me crazy. Um, teachers not saying anyone's name drives me a little crazy because mm-hmm. again I feel like people are paying to be in a place where they want to be acknowledged they don't have to be harassed but they should be acknowledged at the very least you just say hey so and so you're doing well or like you go over to someone at some point and be like nice posture like there should be some validation like we're in a in, in an environment where we're vulnerable and we're working hard and I think that it's important to be acknowledged by the other people you mm-hmm. don't have to like you know overwhelm them but I think you should be acknowledged um things that students do i mean it's general things like and when people are new they don't know i think the thing that's hard is just like getting new students to listen yeah because you'll say like don't move or find stillness or like don't worry about wiping and it sounds really nitpicky but the reason you're having them do this is because you actually feel like it's going to make their practice stronger not because you are trying to be bossy you're like you're wiping the sweat off and the sweat's going to come back and your body's going to get annoyed that it keeps coming back because you keep wiping it off and psychologically you're going to feel like you're losing the battle that you shouldn't be doing in the first place yeah um like the sweat actually does cool you down like you wiping it off is making you hotter um so things like that can drive me nuts, but they drive me only more annoying when they're only more annoying to me when the teacher ign- says it to the student and they just do whatever, whatever they want anyway. Yeah. So it's like, you're in a place I'm acknowledging you because you, because I'm assuming that you're coming to a class with a teacher because you want there to be some personal attention, but then the personal attention I'm giving you, you're ignoring. So I don't understand why. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so that kind of is a pet peeve. Yeah. I'm answering your questions really long. Sorry. No, I like it. It's a podcast. We're but I don't want to talk. Man. Well, the thing is, I don't want to be like pet peeves are sweat wiping, fidgeting, hair buns. Like I don't want to <laughs> like, do like a list and then I sound like a jerk. And like, did I'm you just explain. say hair buns? Yeah. 
You don't like it when people. I don't, don't care about hair buns. Okay. I was trying to think of like something. Although then people are like, "Why is my head not flat on the ground?" I'm like, "Cause your hair is piled on top of your head." Yeah. I'm like, but I like it that place. Well, I don't know. You just ask me. You have to me. move it. Yeah. You just move it or cut it off. Like honestly, you should have less hair for Rick and Morty. There. Well, hey, I'm all for that. I mean, cut it's off. just so heavy and hot and wet. Yeah, exactly. Just cut it all just off. Cut Everyone off. should do that. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, with new students, it doesn't. It doesn't bug me if they do weird stuff if they don't know any mm-hmm. better. When it's people who've been around forever and they start doing weird, like drama. Drama and not trying drive me insane. Mm-hmm. When it's like when people refuse to grab their foot and standing head to knee. And I'm like, if you have a back problem, I, it's fine. Just bend over just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just so you're activating your abs. Mm-hmm. That's all I care about. Please, mm-hmm. please try. You're not okay. And it's almost always really skinny dancer types who just refuse really an option. I mean, I like think- like point blank. Like I've had bigger students be like, not be like, I, I, I'm I'm thick. Like they're yeah. they're like nervous about it, and they're right. like, I don't understand mm-hmm. how to do it. And then that I'm like, okay, let me connect with you on how to do it. But it hasn't really happened. At Bikram Yoga Harlem, but I used to teach somewhere else mm-hmm. where I was dealing with a lot of dancers who were like, this affects my turnout negatively. And I was like, oh, no, yeah. it doesn't because the girl in the front row is the principal da- dancer for the about ba- whatever it's New called. City Ballet. Yeah. And it's just like, and she's doing it. I remember people, I remember this one girl was like, this is a long time. I ago. remember that literally having, sorry, this girl refused to do tree pose correctly. And she was like, it affects my turnout. And uh, the per- person in front of her was the principal dancer for, for New York City Ballet. And I was just like, I think you'll be fine. I just don't, well, I have various things to say to that. But I, I remember there was actually a girl who was like, I don't want to do awkward, which is like just so like when you're squat, basically a squat. Yeah. Because she was like, I don't want my legs to get too big. And I do understand that. And I get it because she was like, I'm a dancer. I don't want them to get too big. But 20, like it's a 20 second squat. Like, I don't think it's going to affect your legs that much. Yeah. Um, that suddenly you won't be able to fit into the tights you bought. Like, I don't, your legs aren't, you're not going to do like a squat and then come out of it and you're not going to go from like a four to an eight. Yeah. Like from doing a squat. Um, a squat. A squat. A squat. Oh no, but we do two of them, Abigail. So twice. Yeah, sorry. Um, but then I'm also, but then if it's, if you have all these restrictions, then I don't know exactly why. Again, it's like, I don't know why you're in class. The thing that's nice about new students is that they generally have so little expectations for themselves that they will try everything because they just don't know what's happening. Like, they're like, I'll try this. I don't, I don't know. Like, I've never done anything before. Like, I've never grabbed my foot. This is hard. I'll try it because... I don't know what's happening and that's great but I agree the thing that's frustrating is when people who've been coming for a while are like oh I can't do blank and I'm like well if you had tried blank for the last seven years you've been practicing at this point you probably could have done it yeah you know and it's like yeah like standing head to knee like grab like at least reach for your foot like every day you should be getting closer unless there's a major injury and usually there isn't a major injury or they would have talked to you about it and they don't because they just have gotten so used to doing the exact same thing over and over again that they just assume they can't do anything. Yeah. And like you can, like you can probably get closer to your foot if you tried. Yeah. That doesn't drive me crazy. It doesn't? No, it actually doesn't really drive me crazy. That doesn't drive me crazy. It drives me, like I said, it drives me more crazy. What would drive me crazy if you, is if you made that correction to someone in the class and then they like blatantly ignored you. Yeah, I'd be like. That, that annoys me as a teacher. That would make me feel, even if I was in class, I'd be like, 
okay, like that's kind of rude. Like you just blatantly annoyed the t- or no, ignore the teacher. Unless after the class they went up to you and like explained their reasoning, that's fine. But just to ignore someone because they're just not, they just don't want to do it. Like I don't understand why you're in a group class then. Yeah. Like I was never, I would never work with a personal trainer. They would be like, pick up 50 pounds. I wouldn't be like, no. I'd be like, okay, if you said 50 pounds. I'm paying you money. I'm going to pick up 50 pounds and I'm going to try until I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It just seems weird to me to be like, no person I'm paying money to tell me what to do yeah. to say no. I don't know, but yeah. Mm. I guess because some people like, I feel like Bikram yoga can attract people who like are type A personalities and really want to work hard Mm -hmm. and do things correctly. Mm -hmm. And I think it also attracts people who want to feel like they're working hard and you do because you're in a hot room. Yeah, I agree with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree because there's like an intensity to the practice and an intensity to the way that we speak to students and intensity in the environment that you think that you're getting benefits by showing up. And you are, honestly, you are, but... You, after years and years and years, you're probably not getting the same benefits if you're literally like expe- expecting the same thing from your practice every single time you practice. Yeah. This is conversations, lots of fun. Now I really want to go take class. Well, I, you can't. I can't because no. I got to teach it. And then you have to go do a show. Oh, God, my life's the worst. It's weird listening to this now because it's in now I'm in the future. And yeah, I was rushing off to go do a show at the creek in the cave right after uh i had taught and everything but uh now that's not the case now it's uh 12 30 in the morning in london so yeah i found i think it's great that adam has to take a rest day every two weeks i could pretty much take a rest day every day that's one reason why it took me till january to get this podcast together but uh uh, yeah, we, we move on a little more and we talk, talk about yoga and uh, people. Uh, yoga seems to have a reputation in the modern world of kind of being airy-fairy as we talk about it or really, really easy. And we go into the feminization of yoga as the Western world sees in it and what yoga was really like in the past. Uh other than that, I don't really have any more dates that are important for me to play. Oh, I'm going to be in uh, the Lester, Dave's Lester Comedy Festival for the first time ever in February. So if you're not doing anything February 6th and 7th, I'll be at the Lester Comedy Festival uh, at 8.30 p.m. as a part of the Bottle Rockets Comedy Club. So I'm pretty excited about that. And yeah, that's all I have to say. All right. Let's get back to the podcast. Well, well I'm, no. we're bringing you back. We're bringing you back. Okay, yeah. questions go. Um, I feel like it's funny hearing me say all these things because I honestly, I feel like if you don't do Bikram yoga or really any sort of intense exercise, listening to this sounds like we're like the meanest people in the world. I don't. Well, this is why I like talking to you about this stuff is because you're 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 hardcore about it, and I think. Like you're the other day when you we you, we were talking about like sitting down or taking breaks in class. It's like either you can sit down or your stomach can look the way you want it to look. Kind like of. these are your options. And I, mean, it's, it's I feel like especially Bikram yoga doesn't have a reputation of being like airy fairy, but right. a lot of exercise is like do you what you can, do your best, and it's like or just fucking do it already. You know, I mean, do your yeah. best, but do your best don't do what you feel like doing that day yeah don't I sit think, down every triangle pose for four years straight and i think your your best is better than you probably think and also I agree like with that. i think that any 
you know, the whole airy fairy yoga stuff is like, it doesn't make sense. It we're still if it was airy fairy completely, then we wouldn't be doing something physical. Like I don't understand to be like, oh, it's just about feeling good. I don't know. It just seems we yes, it's about that, but it's still physical activity. Right. So there still has to be a certain amount of like drive, and like focus and a sense of like a slight sense of pushing. Like you can't. You can't lift your body up into like even like a chaturanga unless you're pushing. Like it's a right. it's a push up. Like you have to push your body up. Yeah. And if you're doing it half assed, you are going to do it in a in a way that will ultimately make your body feel worse. Yeah. So if you do it well or you try to do it your best or you do it in proper alignment, which might be harder for your body because proper alignment sometimes is harder, in the long run your body will be stronger and thus those will feel easier and thus you will feel better. Yeah. But if you're like, I'm just gonna do something half assed, like you're you're exhausting and fatiguing muscles that are not supposed to be fatigued. Like now your shoulders are tired or your back is tired. And like those should not be things that are really being right. focused on in this posture. I'm just using them as an example, but yeah. Well, no, I mean that's a good point because I I feel like yoga has a reputation of being like very relaxing and very like ah oh, you just kind of like do it. But when you think of like like accomplished yogis, like when you think about mm -hmm. people like Dharma and. Like the pictures of the, the old guys standing on their heads uh -huh. without their hands. Mm -hmm. There's no way that's comfortable. Of course There's not. There's no way. But like, you're finding and when the people, comfort within when, that. When people get, I, I agree with you right. entirely. But when people get like, oh, this posture is hard. It's like, it's never not, it's always going to be a little uncomfortable. Right. But you, you learn how to, to breathe in stay strong within that discomfort right was, yeah that's no, what I, we're doing right i agree yes we're doing okay. that i mean the thing i think is crazy and kind of weird not crazy but the thing i th always think of is is massages so i feel like there's also a, a thought that massages are relaxing mm -hmm. massages hurt like they hurt and I mean, even if the whole thing doesn't hurt there are parts of a massage that is going to feel uncomfortable especially if you want the massage to do anything mm -hmm. there's going to be parts where they're breaking up lactic acid or like or like moving things in your body yeah. and it, it will feel uncomfortable. When you feel relaxed in a massage is when you've been adjusted or been worked on and the thing is over. And that's the same thing like with yoga. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. So it's like when you're doing it, it is uncomfortable and there's certain things that feel good and certain things that don't feel good. And at the end you should feel good. Like I accomplished something that was challenging and my body now feels better because I have challenged it in a way that is healthy and I have made my body stronger. Yeah. And that's the same thing that happens in any body where, like, acupuncture can hurt. Not really, but parts of it can hurt. Like, massage can hurt. Like, everything kind of hurts at some point. Yeah. But I don't, yeah, so I don't know why yoga got this reputation of being hippy-dippy. Yeah. I don't know either. I don't know either because. And also in the Western world, it's considered to be more of a feminine form of exercise. But, but only men were allowed to do it in India. Yeah. That's what drives me crazy, too. People will be like. So a lot of times people will be like, oh, like Bikram yoga isn't yoga. I'm like, well, if you really want to do real yoga and you're a woman, you can't because you're a woman. Yeah. And sorry. And in, in, in real yoga in India was not done by women. It is now, though. It right? is now. But yeah. like the point is you can sh you can say like if I'm, if I'm just going to pick any time period and any like rules about anything like this isn't yoga. Well, n neither was what you're doing until like 10 years ago. So I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Like it's just it's annoying. Yeah. 
I agree. It's just a pre- it's just pretentious, and it's a way of disempowering people. It's a way of being like, my yoga is better than your yoga, or my exercise is better than your exercise. I some. hate it when people do that. And I'm gonna I've... like disempower you for what you're doing and for the thing that you've done to empower other people. Yeah. Like, okay, like I'm not I'm not saying anything about you or what you do. Yeah. Like, I didn't ask your opinion actually. It is weird. <laughs> I feel like uh, other yoga disciplines hate on Bikram yoga for it not being yoga enough, but I'm like, what's less, quote, yoga-like than hating on someone's practice? Of course. It has nothing to do with you. Uh, of course. Yeah. And it's like, and, it, and it's about being accessible. There's a reason why Bikram yoga does well, and it's because it's accessible to many body types. Yeah. I mean, I is very rare in all the yogas that I've done and all the exercises I've done where I've seen anyone actually out of shape. Most people who are in these other classes are already in shape. Well, that's uh, whenever, like, when I was in Edinburgh this last time, I took a lot of Mysore classes. Uh And when I was in class, I was like, I am so glad I have 10 years of Bikram yoga under my belt. Otherwise, I would be frustrated and Mm -hmm. confused because that class, most of the time, it wasn't even led. I know. Like, they were, one of the teachers got mad at me by my fourth class. I didn't have the series memorized. And I was like, are you serious? Do you really expect me? I have other shit to do. Right. I'm not going to sit down and memorize your 40 series class. Do you like that they were frustrated with you, though? Because at least it means they cared. I mean, seriously, at least it means that they were paying attention to you. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. But part of me was like, I just haven't had time to sit down and And learn. And memorize this, yeah. But if I I practice regularly, of course, I would have it memorized. Right. But, um, But it was like, one of the teachers was like, you should really start knowing this by now. And I was like, it's not really on my priority list at the moment. I know. I just like when they go to like Bikram classes and there's like people who are like look different. I just like that everyone looks different. Like you have people who are like overweight and people who are old and people who are different colors and people just nice. And yeah. like then you go to like Vinyasa and it's like all skinny white women and you're yeah. like cool. Wow. Yeah. Uh we don't have to get too far into this, but do you uh do you think now's a time to, good time to become a Bikram teacher? If you um, want to skip this part, no, we, we can, can talk can about it. I don't I actually don't think it's a good time. I think that it's really saturated. I think that it's very expensive to go to training now. Um, There aren't as many studios. It's in Thailand now. I know. That's insane. There's a lot of studios. Um, There's there's still a lot of studios opening, but there's a lot of studios that are like, it's been around, it's really been around now for 10, 15 years where it's been like really popular. And now it's, people are starting to, you know, people who've been teaching for a long time, like you're saying, like they have burned out and they're like, what else can I do to like mix this up? Well, I'm going to do Bikram and I'm going to do like this other thing. I'm going to do this other thing. I'm going to involve like core classes and I'm going to do like power yoga. And that's totally fine. But I think going to a training where there's a, so much, comp- and you're going to training with like 400 other people. They're all going to be going How back many people that. were, there are about 300 in there's my 200 training. 200 in mine. 200 in yours. Yeah. And okay. now there's like 400. Like there's like 400 people going back into the into the job market. I don't know if there's enough studios for them. And I think that like studios in general or studios that are offering just Bikram yoga anyway. And that's mm-hmm. really what you're getting trained to do. So I don't know. I just I feel like it's a lot of money to not know exactly if you're going to have a job from it when you get back. And yeah. if you're doing it because you love it, I get it. And that makes sense to me. But I think there's other ways of loving it. Like you could do a retreat and love it. Like going to training is to to do it is to like be immersed in it and to learn how to teach like you're yeah. learning how to teach. And if you're not going to teach after, then you shouldn't go to training. If you're going to go to training, you should you should teach, which yeah. means that you should make sure that you have a job lined up um, to teach at. Yeah, when I when I went to training, everyone that was six years ago, and everyone was like, "It's really saturated job market right now." And now 
It's crazy now. No, it's crazy now. Like how many people are emailing you asking you for a job? Not tons and tons, but we uh, actually, I'm surprised this is the this, uh, training just ended. I have actually gotten no emails and I always get at least three like within like two weeks of a training and they're never from people I know. Yeah. Which I always think is weird. Like, Hey, I've never met you, but can you give me money? It's basically what they're saying. Like, will you give me a job? And I'm like, I'm not even looking for a job. Like someone to have a job. Yeah. So that's just kind of weird that you're assuming that I would just hire you. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get an email though from someone who was planning on going to training in the fall and asked about if they could teach for me when they got back from training in the fall, which I was like, that is a long time from now. I don't know what my business is going to be like. I don't know who the teachers I'm going to have, but I don't know you. Like it just, I think it's weird that people just assume I'm going to hire someone without knowing. They don't send like a resume. They don't send like any information. Yeah. They're like, Hey, my name is Lauren and I've been practicing for three years in Astoria. I'm going to training in the fall and was wondering what it's like to get on your sub list. Please let me know. Like, okay, Lauren, like, do you have like what is wh- what do you do now for a living like how long have you been practicing like could I see some pictures of your postures I don't mean anything I don't need to see the postures or pictures but like you could send me anything yeah and like give me your face that's like, what whenever I email like, whenever I go abroad and I email studios I always send the posture pictures do you yeah that's good yeah I do I send them a headshot uh-huh I send them a headshot I send them posture pictures because I have them right. between the NYC right, photos and our photos right uh I have them, and then I tell them how long I've been teaching and who I've taught with, and I cite you guys as references. Yeah, they don't, people Eric. don't send me anything. Like, they just send me as, like, their name that they're going to training and they want to teach for me. And I'm like, I don't – you know, the thing is, like, because it's so saturated, every training we have someone from our studio go, yeah. and I know them. So Do I'm we have doing, anyone there now? No. Good. Actually, we didn't. Well, I we, mean, that sounds so mean, no, no, but, no, like, we, where, was, where are they going to work? There was one girl – well, there was one girl who – came to our studio she had practiced another studio and then practiced at our studio for the last month before she went to training but she wasn't moving back here and we have okay. someone who's going in the fall to training but she's not moving back here oh yeah so it's just like i'm like okay cool which is fine i just think that if you really want to make money teaching bikram yoga you have to live in a smaller place either you have to travel and teach or you have to live in a place that's more needed of teachers and new york is not one of that's them. so funny because how many studios are there in new york there's like there's a lot there's so many but the thing is, is again, I mean, I'm making a generalization. Te- owners of these studios are going to prioritize people they know, which is either going to be people who are going from their studio who come back, or it's going to be their friends who've been teaching for longer who they know. Like if I had a choice between teaching with someone, you know, if someone like Eddie Marco came up to me and was like, oh, I've been practicing at your studio for a year and I've been teaching for like 13 years or 11 he's been teaching a little bit longer than me like 11 years and I just teach for you I'm gonna choose him over someone else who I don't know or even someone who just went to training yeah you know there has to be some sort of there has to be some sort of standards before you hire someone yeah you know so true dude uh, we're pretty much ready to wrap up thank you so much for doing welcome um do you have any other so don't be weird don't be weird any anything else anything else you want to throw in the mix um like, have fun. We're going to go do the full circle. You ready for this? Yeah. So have fun, but remember that fun is relative. Ah, I like that. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah, fun. Fun, but it's relative. But it's relative. And don't be weird. And don't be weird. All right. All right. Thanks so much, Adam. Thank you. And that is it. That is the first ever Namaste, bitches. Thank you guys so much for listening. And remember Adam's advice, have fun. But remember, fun is relative and just don't be weird. 
Uh, that's pretty much it for me. Just remember, if you want to give to Rise, the charity, 100% of your proceeds go to Rise. If you go to www.justgiving.com slash I will be running the half marathon on Jan- uh, excuse me, February 22nd. If you want to see me perform and all the tickets will go to Rise, then you can check me out on January 31st at the Brighton Comedia as a part of Funny Women. And guys, thank you so much for listening. And I'm excited to see where this podcast goes and how it develops as I get better at podcasting and we learn more from more people. Thanks again. Have a good day. Namaste.